This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside analysts for the NFL for the lines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. I hope all of you had a very, very happy Thanksgiving and a happy Black Friday shopping day. If you chose to partake in that, we will be getting into that a little bit later in today's segment. As always, we are taking a look at opening NFL lines, discussing which bets we like and how we think these lines might lose might move as we inch closer to the game's starting time. Before we dive into the discussion, make sure to give this video a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications so you know every time we post a new video. And if you are listening to us where you get your podcast, make sure to subscribe the Beat the Closing Line pod and leave a five-star review, especially on Apple, for a chance to win an Amazon gift card. The guys are 26, 18, and 2 with their picks on the podcast so far. Eli, let's start with you. How did the holiday weekend, the holiday slate of games go for you? Well, Thanksgiving in particular, not great because I had the <laughs> under and Giants Cowboys and that lost in the final, what, 20 seconds of the game. And then you couple that with a one and four college basketball day. Not much to be thankful for on Thanksgiving <laughs> to call for me. Besides your family and your wonderful girlfriend and traveling, <laughs> but I'm not I'm, uh, outside of that, not much to be thankful for. Mo, how about you? Yeah, that was a nasty moose on uh, on that under. Woo, painful. <laughs> yeah. Glad I didn't fire that one. Uh, <laughs> it was very good, very good weekend for me. Uh, very did very well. I have to say, I don't feel like I deserved that Vikings minus two and a half. But nope. uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, that was a, a fortunate result. Um, other than that, yeah, did did very well. I think my only real miss was the Falcons, and then that could have very easily been a win. All right. So a little bit of mixed results there for uh, the guys holiday weekend. But Eli, it's a long college basketball season, so you have plenty of time to make it up. And by the way, make sure to catch Eli's college basketball podcast as well. So listen to us for the NFL, (laughs) but then Eli is with Scott for college basketball. So make sure you're listening to them as well. You should just be listening to us every single day. We're putting out a ton of content. Um, All right, let's get into week 13. We have the first matchup, two teams that have turned their seasons around in the recent weeks. The Jags are coming off of an impressive upset over the Baltimore Ravens, and the Lions have won three of their last four games. They did drop to the Bills in the final minutes on Thanksgiving, but both of these teams have lost most of their games by just a single score. And Eli, for this matchup, you like the Lions as one-point favorites. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so this line actually flipped. So hopefully this is the first time you're hearing about this pick because earlier in the morning, it was Detroit minus one and then money came in on Jacksonville on Tuesday afternoon. So it's now Jags minus one, minus one and a half. Granted, they're both dead numbers. So either way, you're back in the Lions to essentially win the game outright or if they they lose by a point, I will inevitably hate myself. But Detroit covered on Thanksgiving against Buffalo is nine and a half point home dogs. Jacksonville with a come-from-behind win against the Ravens as three-and-a-half-point home dogs. But if you go back to that Baltimore game, Jacksonville was outgained in yards per play, and the Ravens also dropped two gimme touchdowns, which those drives then resulted in field goals. So Jags should have lost, got fortunate, and you look at this line this week, I understand that the market likes Jacksonville again. Detroit has arguably the worst defense in the NFL, allowing the 
most expected points added per play, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are number 20 in that department, so not much better. But let's start off with this Lions defense. As explosive as the Jags passing attack can be, Detroit has a top five blitz percentage, and they're generating an above average pressure rate. And this Jacksonville offensive line is occurring the fourth lowest pass block win rate in the NFL. So led by the rookie Aiden Hutchinson, I think Detroit can get pressure on Trevor Lawrence and hopefully negate their poor secondary, especially if their second-year cornerback doesn't end up suiting up. And then if you look at Detroit's offense since week eight, this coincides with Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift also getting healthy. Jared Goff has the seventh highest dropback expected points added. So dropback EPA. And you look at the lines with DeAndre Swift in the lineup, 7-0-1 against the spread. Now, that doesn't mean that trends are going to necessarily come to fruition and cash this week too, but the Lions offense is much more explosive with Swift in the lineup. That's undoubtedly the case. So again, Hopefully you didn't get Detroit minus one. Hopefully you're able to get a better number if the Lions end up losing this game by a point, or maybe it gets up to Jags minus two, but I'm backing the Detroit Lions for better or worse, and I already backed them at minus one. This is what happens when you have meetings before you come on to record. You don't even know when the line flips, um, but uh, so I missed out on that one, and because of said meetings, I don't have a take on this one. Mo, what about you? <laughs> Yeah, market not impressed with Eli's wager here. Um, <laughs> I was a little bit interested in a teaser on the Lions once I saw plus one and a half, but then I don't know the totals. The totals too high, I think. So uh, I, I guess the market really impressed with that Jags win over the Ravens. Clearly more impressed than Eli was. Um, not sure if he watched the end of that, but I have to say Trevor Lawrence looked amazing down the stretch there. If he can maintain that level of play, I mean. Jags should for sure be favored. The problem is uh, we, we just haven't seen that uh, on a week-to-week basis with him. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really having a lean either way on this one, to be honest. I thought Lions minus one was probably a fair line. That's what I projected the line to be coming into this week. Um, I do wonder about the style of play here because it's better to throw on the Jags than run on them. They're a little stronger up front than they are in the secondary. Um, But I kind of feel like the Lions come out every game trying to pound the rock. So that's, I guess, what would worry me here. But I I really think this line is about where it should be. So Eli's definitely seeing stuff I'm not in the Lions. I don't think this is a good team or even close. Well, to your point, Mo, and granted, the I think Detroit has the 20th ranked passing percentage in the NFL, but Jag's secondary is very exploitable and much more explosive offense with a healthy Yamana Ross St. Brown and Swift. So I'm going to counter that right there. <laughs> Some fighting words to start off our, <laughs> our first matchup of the, of the whole entire podcast. But all right, before we uh, argue too much, let's get into matchup number two. Mo, this is yours. We have the Jets and the Vikings. Mike White, who stepped in as the Jets quarterback for the benched Zach Wilson put up an impressive performance, 315 passing yards and three touchdowns against a wrecked Bears defense. On the other side, the Vikings are coming off of a gritty win against the Patriots. Both teams here are preparing for a playoff run. Mo, you like the Jets as three-point dogs. Yeah, so I was uh, kind of referencing that Vikings 
Patriots game earlier, and I watched basically that whole game. Uh, very happy to cash my bet, but like I said, not sure I deserved it. Um, I honestly think that game might have been more concerning than the previous week against the Cowboys. I mean, that was like somewhat predictable. Cowboys coming in, very tough matchup. Vikings just in a game that they really don't need to win when they're miles up in the division and they just lay an egg, whatever, you can get over that. But man, just shredded by Mac Jones, who's been awful this year. (laughs) 8.7 yards per attempt, minus two yards per play for the Vikings in that game. Um, Just uh, continuing a trend all season. Uh, They're minus on the season for net yards per play, minus 0.7, which is not minus a little bit. That's kind of a lot. Um, and, and the jets, while I actually did think the Vikings should be more than three point favorites on the look ahead line, uh, I agreed with that, but that was before that was before the jets made a quarterback switch. That was when I thought they were still going to keep running out the worst quarterback in the league. Um, what if they can complete forward passes now, all of a sudden the jets are an interesting team. Uh, Mike white, He's had his moments for sure. He's had his blowups. But as uh, my buddy Rich Ryan was saying on Gridiron Gamble, his blowup last year really was the one game against the Bills, which was an elite pass defense. So if we give him a pass for that, he's been quite good. Uh, obviously, the sample, tiny. We have really no idea what he is. Um, but, I mean, honestly, how can he be any worse than Zach Wilson? I mean, and, and basically whenever Zach Wilson hasn't been out there, this passing offense has looked at least like an NFL passing offense. I mean, Garrett Wilson, he looks like he could be a future superstar, honestly, uh, the way he's producing with these mediocre quarterbacks. So given the way this Vikings defense has looked and how good the Jets are on defense and how we know Kirk Cousins has crumbled at times under pressure, while the Jets bring an elite level of pressure uh, and they do it without blitzing fourth in pressure rate fourth from the bottom in blitz rate. This team wins up front without blitzing. I don't, I hate what I've seen from Dalvin cook this year. I think he looks like a shell of himself. Honestly, I'm not worried about the Vikings running game. Um, And man, if you, I I don't know if anybody can stop Justin Jefferson, but if I'm going to give somebody a shot, it's probably going to be, Sauce Gardner, it's crazy to say this about a rookie corner, but he's arguably been the best cornerback in the league this year. Um, So I I have the Jets ahead of the Vikings in my power rankings. I know that's going to sound insane to some people. I think they're very close, so I cannot see the Vikings being deserving of laying three points here. If the Jets have an offense that can get them to 20 points, which it looks like Mike White might be able to do now, then I, I just... I don't agree with this line. And this is honestly the only line I really, really stood out to me this week. I agree with some of the key points you made there on defense. I'm (laughs) taking a look at Vikings team total under 23 and a half here, plus 105 at DraftKings. Because again, I'm liking what I'm seeing from this Jets defense. They allow the fourth fewest points per game to opposing offenses and average around three sacks per game. The other big factor here will be, yes, whether or not they can keep Dalvin Cook contained. He was garbage last weekend. But if they do keep the pressure on Cousins, I actually like the team total under here for the Vikings at 23 and a half. Eli, do you agree with either one of us here? 
I'm just staying away from this game. <laughs> it's a fraud bowl for me. And granted, like you said, replacing Zach Wilson with Mike White definitely is an upgrade for the Jets offense. And this Vikings pass defense ranks 27th in the NFL in pass defense DVOA. So fraudulent 9-2 and record. I'm just waiting for the opportunity to fade Minnesota in the playoffs. I'm good this week. If we get you know the expected matchup in the playoffs in the first round, it would be or in the wild card round. I think it's still called the wild card round. It would be the Vikings against the Commanders and a rematch of what we saw a couple weeks ago when the or a few weeks ago when the Vikings made that comeback and Washington still covered the opening line as three and a half point home dogs. I will be all over Washington as anemic as that offense can be with that pass rush. Shocker. That the commanders have. Shocker. Shocker. Eli Shocker. betting the commanders. I We've never heard that before <laughs> on this podcast. The Eli, <laughs> Eli and Brett handshake meme on the, on the commanders. Those two are the top two commanders cheerleaders in the world. I think. I mean, I, like, I got to give Eli credit, though, because he clearly saw something that I did not see because <laughs> I did not think the commanders would be where they are heading into week 13. So <laughs> applause. Well, granted, <laughs> last week they got pretty fortunate with the tip ball that ended up being an interception against the Falcons in the end zone. If the Falcons run the ball on that play, they probably are in better position. So I... I think this Washington Commander team is lucky as I got maybe against the Bears and even in that Minnesota game, I still think this team shouldn't be over 500 in the playoff picture, but I will bet them happily if they do face the Vikings in the playoffs. All right, it's time to take a break from football and we know it was a big holiday weekend and it's time to talk about Black Friday for WTF. What the f***? And I am just... I think this is just me on my soapbox. I don't know if the guys really have anything to, you know, contribute <laughs> on Black Friday. But listen, I do agree that we shouldn't be like opening stores at 8 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. Like, that's ridiculous. But I do miss the thrill of like being outside of a JCPenney's at 5 a.m. to like get a door buster for like the for, like the first hundred people. There's no more excitement <laughs> with Black Friday anymore. Like either everything's online or if you don't need a 65 inch TV, then like you just kind of walk into the store, get what you need and walk out. I don't know. It used to be like, the biggest day of the year for me, my birthday is on like I was born on Thanksgiving. So it either falls on like Thanksgiving, Black Friday or the day after Black Friday. So I used to like try to go get some sick deals for myself for my birthday. And now <laughs> it's just like I just wake up. I eat breakfast at noon. I log on to, you know, some website and I get something. No problem. Like, I don't know. There's just no thrill of it anymore. And by the way, Black Friday stores 20 percent off. That's not a Black Friday deal. Like if you're not 50% or over, like you cannot call yourself a Black Friday sale. And that's the end of my rant for Black that Friday. That sounded, I don't know if you've ever listened to, I don't think they do it anymore. I, I used to work in radio and there was something called the CBS Sports Radio Minute where Jim Rome would go on a minute long rant about something. And that the way you started off your JC Petty rant or Black Friday rant, that's exactly where my mind read. So I was impressed. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say, I like, I just am truly passionate about this subject, but I don't know how passionate the two of you are going to be. I, Eli, you said you didn't even do any Black Friday shopping. I did Cyber Monday yesterday. I went on Lucky and I got some new jeans, a new wow. shirt as well. Yeah, we got All some right. new clothes, but I did not go Black Friday shopping. I was too busy watching college basketball. 
Mo, did you score any sick deals? <laughs> I have to say, I, di- I didn't have uh, I didn't have Jim Rome name drop on my beat the closing <laughs> line bingo card today. Um, Neither did I, to be fair. Yeah, I haven't worn jeans in like five years, so <laughs> I can't even remember what that's like. The perks of um, working from home. We don't yeah. wear real clothes anymore. <laughs> um, no, I'm like Eli. I'm a Cyber Monday guy. I've never bought anything on Black Friday in my entire life. But Black Friday is just Cyber Monday now. That's like my point. It's just sales right. online. And then they're like, it's either Black Friday extended or it's just the same deals on Cyber Monday. Like there's no incentive to go into a store anymore. Right. And the prices are probably inflated even with the 20% off. So yeah, you're not getting much of a deal there. I'm sorry, Nicole. Yeah. So anyways, a little bit of a disappointment for me, but we can we can move on. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sports books all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Our <laughs> third game of the week and up oh. Look, it's the Commanders again. Wow, you guys didn't see that one coming. Um, It wouldn't be a beat the closing line episode if Eli did not talk about the Commanders, but he's mixing it up. He's mixing it up because he's taking a look at the total here. The Commanders are taking on the Giants this weekend in New York. They have won three in a row and six of their last seven, with the Giants losing three of their last four after starting the season six and one. Eli, you think this is going to be a low scoring game. Why are you taking under? 40 and a half points here. Yeah. So I mentioned that, that bad beat that I had in the giants Cowboys game, but we're going back to the well with the under against the commanders. If you look at pace, Washington ranks 30th in the league in terms of tempo and neutral situations, the giants rank number 20 in that category. So two slower paced offenses. And this Washington run defense is one of the best in the NFL. They rank Number four in terms of rushing DVOA that's weighted, so per the opponent, the strength of the opponent, they're allowing the fifth lowest expected points added per carry and the fifth lowest rushing success rate. So for a Giants team that wants to rely on Saquon Barkley on the ground and not Daniel Jones with a banged up offensive line, I think this sets up well for the commander's defense. And then while the Giants defense is also banged up, especially in the secondary They're allowing a below average expected points added. So I think number 25th in terms of the 25th most or sixth most, if you go the other way, expected points added per play. But Taylor Heineke, since he took over for Carson Wentz, who initially had the injury, Heineke is the sixth lowest dropback EPA since week seven. The only quarterbacks behind him are Matt Ryan, Kenny Pickett, your Pittsburgh Steelers, Nicole. Sorry about that. Mac Jones and Zach Wilson and Davis Mills. Can't forget about Davis Mills. So not an offense that I'm willing to assume is going to generate points, even against a banged up defense and considering the pace for both of these 
Offenses, I will happily take the under 40 and a half for a key number at 40. Mo, are you in agreement here? I think so. Um, yeah, <laughs> luck like you, I said. <laughs> so well, much enthusiasm. I just, you know, totals are not my forte, so I don't pretend to be good or even okay at betting totals. Um, but yeah, like he said, uh, just two teams that are pounding the rock, very slow-paced teams. Uh, Washington, tremendous against the run. Taylor Heineke has been terrible, but it really hasn't been exposed at all because Washington's been ahead like every week. Uh, I can't recall him having to like lead a single drive, to be honest, where like they needed points. Like it just, it just hasn't happened. Um, and they're just happy to just keep handing the ball to Robinson, especially as he starts to look better and, and get healthier. Um, he seems to be that honestly. Hat? Yeah. You guys see that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Nicole. It's like, it's his friend's company. It's imagine an XL hat, but it's probably like five or six XL. It's pretty insane. But now I need to uh, like Google <laughs> it. Imagine putting a bucket on your head. Right, exactly. That's what you could have got. That's what you could have bought on Black Friday, Nicole. A bucket hat. I missed out. <laughs> Sounds very fashion ahead, forward. <laughs> I guess that's one way to. That would be one way to 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 call it for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was just, I was honestly surprised the Giants were able to get anything done. That was also a beat for me. Uh, that they were able to score at the end of that game. I had Dallas minus fourteen alternate line there. I think it probably should have came in. They completely dominated the Giants. Um, I, I just can't back the Giants to do anything on offense until I see this offensive line get healthy, basically. I, I think they only had one starter. Maybe it was two against Dallas. But, yeah, I don't anticipate that they can repeatedly score 20 points with the offensive line they're putting out there. I've also, I don't trust this Washington or this Giants, you know, passing offense to beat a Washington secondary that I don't think is really that good, but they don't have much of a passing offense at this point. No receivers left. And the Giants have a ton of injuries in their own secondary. They're definitely vulnerable to the pass, but I don't know if Taylor Heineke can take advantage of it. So I think that if I was betting this total, I would definitely click on the under. As much enthusiasm as Mo had for that under is probably as much enthusiasm as he has for his final bet of the week. So let's just uh, go ahead and get into it. I, I honestly thought that <laughs> like based on your analysis that I might have had your pick wrong because it was just so <laughs> depressing, the analysis. But so the final game of the of our of our day of our segment is going to be Broncos versus Ravens. Now, Mo, you are taking the Broncos plus eight here. But again, not sure, not sure you're very excited about this one. So walk walk us through this journey. Yeah, I, I'm not allowed to bet the Broncos or somebody's <laughs> allowed to kick me in the nuts. So I have to guard myself uh, <laughs> if I do make a wager on the Broncos. But I am allowed to say that they think this line is too high. Um, you can find some eight and a halfs out there. I think I'd rather just sell this down to plus seven. Um one thing uh, Eli always says, which is definitely true, he calls this a week-to-week -week league. And one thing we always say on Gridiron Gamble that's right along those lines, you got to bet the team that looked the worst last week. 
I don't know if anybody looked worse than the Broncos. <laughs> um, it's pretty hard to, uh, they basically got held to three points until garbage time by Carolina. Um, Texans and bears, you can make an argument. They looked worse, but, um, <clears throat> those teams are just 100% in the tank. Uh, benching starting quarterbacks the broncos are actually trying to win out of the teams that are actually trying to win they probably look the worst uh, so one thing i'm always looking for is high lines with low totals we got a 30 and a half total here got a broncos team that goes under basically every week um so i think we're pretty confident there's not going to be a ton of points scored in this game and it's really tough to cover double digit spreads not to say they necessarily needed double digits to cover this spread, but pretty close. Uh, <clears throat> and when there's not going to be 40 plus points scored. Um, and, you know, I was referencing yards per play earlier. I, at some point, the Broncos actually outgaining the opposition in yards per play. It didn't happen last week. So this number might be closer to neutral now, but they were plus 0 0.3 yards per play heading into uh, that Carolina game. I mean, just that's got to regress at some point, I would think. But, you know, Russ, Russell Wilson, dead cat bounce at some point, three yards per attempt last week. It just doesn't get any worse than that. I mean, it really doesn't. Um, <clears throat> and, and the Ravens, just speaking of teams that pound the rock, not many teams running the ball more than the Ravens right now their current rushing play rate would have basically been tied for first in the NFL last year. I think they're like fifth or sixth right now. I've been talking about this passing offense before on this show. It hasn't been good since Rashad Bateman went down, uh, bottom 10 in the league in EPA per play, uh, passing. So with the Broncos elite defense, I think they can keep this close enough to cover a number like this. This is a tough one for me because the Broncos are just the most depressing team in the league. They're 0-3 straight up, 0-3 against the spread in their last three games. They average 14.3 points per game, which is dead last in the NFL. The Wilson trade's looking like one of the worst decisions ever made by a pro football team. And while it is tough to win by 10 when there is less than 40 points scored in the game, they did it last year when these two teams met albeit under different circumstances but i could see another 23 7 happening like week four last season i'm personally staying away from this one eli what do you think that was beautiful by the way last year i think the ravens were a, a road dog at denver at the undefeated broncos after just squeaking by the lions so i was I pretty happy that with that. it was going back and forth between minus one and a half both ways right 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 I can't bet the Broncos here. I can't advocate for it either. I guess Mo can't bet the Broncos himself. <laughs> Technically, <but>. yeah. <laughs> right. Or yeah, I guess he could do it under the table. But the Broncos, yes, they have a top five passing defense, top 10 defense overall, but still pretty exploitable on the ground. They rank 17th in terms of expected points added per carry allowed. You mentioned how the Ravens want to run the ball. If Denver gets down again, I I'm not trusting Russell Wilson to do anything. Now, like you said, if the Broncos somehow get ahead, I just don't see the script for it to happen. Ravens defense somewhat vulnerable, but Broncos can't really pass protect. And the Ravens aren't blitzing a ton, but this defense is definitely improved up front since the addition of Roquan Smith. So this number should be higher just based on what we saw with Baltimore and Jacksonville last week, a fluky Jags win motivation for Baltimore, not much motivation for the Broncos out of the playoff picture. This locker room seems to be going even or generating even 
more space between themselves with the Russell Wilson situation. So I'm staying away from Denver and I'm sorry, Mo. <laughs> yeah, I am also sorry, Mo. I can't get behind this one, but all right. Everyone, I hope you had a great, great holiday weekend, and I hope that your planning for the upcoming holidays is going well. As always, good luck with your bets this weekend. Eli and I will be back on Thursday. We will see you next time.